Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Last week, we started looking at the Lord's Prayer together. And last week, sorry about that, T. And last week, Jesus reminded us that communicating to him is not some sort of secret code that we have to get a handle on. It's not some magic set of words that if we say them correctly, then we'll have some sort of Holy Ghost magic happen in our lives. Not all the right incense needs to be burning for us to speak to our God. And not all the right sacrifices on our part have to be made to speak with him because the ultimate sacrifice has already been made for us in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus reminded us last week that communicating to him with him in a way that he desires is actually quite simple. Simple because when we are praying to God who is our Father, and that is a loving, caring, self-giving Father who wants to know us and wants to be known by us, said more simply, He is a good Father who calls us into a relationship with Himself and into a conversation that is relational between a good parent and a child. This Lord's Prayer is given to us by Jesus as a gift. It's a gift because, okay, our kids do this little catechism thing where they memorize certain verses, they memorize certain truths in the faith, and this is a section that we have not gotten to yet, but Aislinn and I were working on it this week, this, this section of the Lord's Prayer. And she just said, Dad, why would we pray like this? I said, well, Jesus told us to. Well, why would he do that? There's all sorts of reasons why he would do that, right? It's a good pattern for prayer, sure. But I will say that over these past two weeks, um, my prayer life has been slightly more than dry. Uh, I've been despondent. I've been unable to pray, it seems like which has been a good test case for me to simply pray these words that Jesus has given to us. And so my answer to Aislinn was, we pray them when we don't know what else to pray, right? This is what the disciples asked in Luke's gospel. How should we pray? Jesus says, pray like this. Hebrews 4, 16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So why do we pray? We pray because we admit, it's us admitting and knowing that we have need and that we're weak and we're invited to do that. It's in this Lord's Prayer that Jesus, that God tenderly invites us to believe that He is our true Father, that we are His true children, 
And so, with all boldness and confidence, we can approach Him as a child approaches their father. Let me pray for us one more time. God, lead us this morning by Your Word and by Your Spirit to see Your holiness and to find freedom and peace in Christ. God, I ask that you would ready us now to hear your word and to receive it with joy. Amen. Our Father in heaven. That's what we looked at last week. Those simple words. But let me read the whole thing. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I said this week we would also look at Luke's version, but we're going to save that for next week. And this week, we just want to look at these simple words. Hallowed be your name, or your name be holy, or your name be kept holy different ways that we could translate it. Your name be kept holy. What do we need to know about this? What's going to help us this morning and this week in these simple words of your name be kept holy? Well, in order to look at this well, let's have our big idea. (laughs) Because of Jesus' righteousness, the name of God will be kept holy. Because of Jesus' righteousness, the name of God will be kept holy. And if you have a bulletin, great. If you don't, not a big deal. It'll be up here on the screen. But I've tried to break down this holiness in the way that we're talking about holiness in a couple of ways. First of all, what what is this word holiness? Right? Um, Because we pay lip service to this idea. We pay lip service to it. That is that we speak about God's holiness and we try not to think too deeply about it for a couple of reasons. One, it's offensive, right? Because when we say, when we sing, holy, 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 we're saying you are holy and we are not. And it's this stark reminder that we need help. And yet... We also maybe don't really like to define holiness because um, it also reminds us of the individual things that we struggle with, like the list that Peter read through this morning, whether it be laziness or sexual sin or hatred or anger or whatever the case may be. These are the things that we do that God doesn't do, right? It's a reminder that we are unlike Him. And so what does this word holiness mean? To be holy is to be set apart from something. Uh, To be pure. To be undirtied in any way. And this is what Jesus is telling us. This is who Jesus is telling us God is. First of all, that He 
is holy, that his name is holy. It is without spot, it is without blemish, it is without sin. It is totally set apart from all things that we can know or imagine. And yet in this phrase, hallowed be your name or your name be kept holy, God, what we're also saying is not just that his name is holy, but we're praying that we would keep his name holy that we would keep it holy. And then also we're praying that the world at large, that His name would be kept holy. That it would be seen and heard as holy to people's ears. So the first way that we can talk about holiness, this morning anyway, is holiness together. How did this prayer start? It started as a group of people praying together. Our Father. That even when we pray this prayer by ourselves, what we're saying is, our. We've got a family behind us. And this family is as diverse as this world. We are adopted children into a family sharing one Father. God. So, when we come to this this place of talking about God's holiness, your name be kept holy, we're praying it together. Lord, may we keep your name holy. How are we going to do that? Well, one of the ways that we do that is holiness inside the church. Holiness inside the church. The reading from 1 Timothy today was a, was a good summary of holiness inside the church. But I also want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not even tolerated among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I am present in the Spirit. This is Paul speaking. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my Spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, This is a very unique circumstance, kind of, right? What's going on here? There's some heinous, some evil, worldly, other, actually otherworldly, people in the world don't even do this, Paul says. Sin going on here. And what's Paul's advice? Now, there were lots of issues in Corinth at this time. And Paul's response was not always, remove that person, right? Paul's response was, work through this. In the power of Jesus, work through this. But here, his advice is, remove this person from the body. Why would he say this? Well, because, he says, you need to deliver this person over to their own destruction so that they can see what kind of sin it is that they're committing and how unlike Jesus, how unlike the holiness of God this is. 
So this is what he encourages the church at Corinth to do, to remove this person. Why? To work towards keeping this body of believers holy. Not that we can get rid of all sin, not that we will be sinless, but when the world looks in from the outside and they say to us, well, you know that guy in the church or that pastor in the church or that deacon or whatever the case may be, you know, they got this thing going on the side. They've got that person on the side. They've got this issue. They've got that issue. This is not what shows the goodness and greatness of our God to the world, which we are called to do. We are called to keep His name holy. We are also to keep His name holy outside of these walls, right? So as we're gathered, we're to keep His name holy on the inside. That is to say, when we worship together, we want to worship, we want to pray, uh, we want to sing in a way that honors God, right? But when we go outside these walls, not only when we're loving the Lord our God, but when we're loving our neighbors as ourselves, we want His name to be kept holy. If you'll remember from 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. What are these passions of the flesh? Okay, we're not just talking about sexual sin anymore. This could be greed. This could be um, any number of things where you're seeking to benefit yourself instead of your neighbor. Okay? Passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. That is that they pull you away from Christ. So Peter says, keep your conduct, your conduct, what you do among the Gentiles, honorable. So whatever you're doing amongst those that don't know Christ, keep your behavior honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter's saying, look, live well in this world. Because living well in this world, when attached to the preaching of the good news of Jesus, can lead other people to being saved by that good news. And when you've done that, that person is going to glorify God on the day that Jesus returns. To do that, live well in this world. When we are gathered, we want to keep the Lord's name holy. And when we are scattered, we want to keep the Lord's name holy. And yet, it's not just inside these walls or with us outside of these walls. We see that God's holiness and what Jesus is asking us to pray here uh, to keep that holiness is something that we should be seeing everywhere in the world. Now, we could pick the low-hanging fruit, right? The low-hanging fruit being do not use the Lord's name in vain. Okay, right? That's low-hanging fruit, and it's good. 
It's true. It applies to this. When we use the Lord's name in a way that is uh, cursing God's name or using it flippantly, that is very easily without any thought of what it means, well, in that case, we're not keeping the Lord's name holy. And it's not good that others that don't know Christ in this world do that. And yet they do it in ignorance, right? And yet, we read this in Revelation chapter 15. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glory, glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations, that is all peoples, all different kinds of people will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. John, the revelator, John here in the book of Revelation is looking forward to a time when the whole world is going to be keeping God's name holy because everyone will finally see the holy and glorious acts of God, everything that he has done in this world. That's in the future. We also see in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him, oh, this might sound familiar, and, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, as we just read up in, uh, as we just read in Revelation, all nations will come, and we see here every knee shall bow. Uh, here's a good theological principle that I've learned. All right, when you're reading your Bible and it says all, all means all. Okay, when it says everybody, that means all. When it says every knee, that means all the knees. Okay, <laughs> all the knees shall bow. So when you read in your Bible, all, it means all. That sounds simple, but the next time you see the word all in your Bible, you should think of that, okay? Because it's a lot deeper than what it sounds. <laughs> um, what we see here is a future time. And, and here's kind of the, the good part and yet the scary part of what Paul is saying in Philippians there. When he says, every knee shall bow, He's saying that whether someone believes in Jesus or not, whether someone likes it or not, their knee will bow before their king. Whether that person knew Christ as their Savior or not, their knee will bow. And there will be those who did not allow their sin to be covered up by the blood of Christ who will be bowing their knees and weeping because they will not get to spend forever with that king and his people. And so, when we look around our world today, should you go around slapping everyone that uses the Lord's name in vain? No, you shouldn't. It's not about that. And yet, we should be seeking 
as a good neighbor to know that person and to teach them what God's name means and why it is good to keep that name set apart and holy. Because in that is the good news of what Jesus has done for them. And in that is salvation. Now don't forget, though, also from Peter, that we have holiness as a command upon our lives. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of the way that you used to live in ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is also a demand and a command placed upon your life. Fridays in Hermanus is always a hectic time especially now as we get closer to some warmer months. Um, I can honestly say that I do not probably act in total humility and holiness as I drive around on a Friday to gather the kids from school and to bring them home, and I'm having to uh, defend myself on the road, okay? Whether with words or with a car. And so here's the deal. I don't act in holiness in all of my conduct. Right? Uh, there's simple things that I can do at the office space that we have in town to serve my neighbors in our little hallway there. And I don't do it. There are simple ways that when I go home today, I know, I know, look, I've got some work to do in our garage right now, cleaning stuff up. I got some rocks to break up in the yard. And I stayed up too late last night working on stuff, and Tara's going to, I know what she's expecting of me, right? And as a good husband, I know what I should do. Ah, I'm going to try not to sit around and watch YouTube all afternoon, right? I know that come this evening, because I stayed up too late last night, my children are going to be anxious because they're going to take naps today and they slept well last night. They're going to be energetic and I'm going to be cranky and tired. And I will not be honorable in all of my conduct. And I will not have holiness pouring out of me. And I am representing my Savior. And you know what? I will not be representing my Savior well. There are going to be shining bright lights in my week this week where I will do that, hopefully. But I can already foresee the battles that I'm going to be, the little tiny battles, I'm going to be waging this afternoon and this evening and tomorrow morning. But there's good news too. There's good news. We don't just receive holiness as a command. We receive it as a gift. Um, I love 1 Peter so much. 
Okay. Uh, actually, yeah, no, I'm going to continue on with 1 Peter just because I love it so much. Continuing on from verse 16 of chapter 1, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, either those that kept no law, right, or those that kept all the laws. You've been saved from that. Not with something that can fade away like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot, holy. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The Apostle Paul says, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, made right in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. You are presented before God the Father, holy and blameless, because of what Christ has done for you. One of my readings in the Psalms this week was in Psalm 34, and it says this, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. And when the righteous cry for help, when they pray, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and He saves the crushed in spirit. To which we say, when we cry out to the Lord, when we pray to the Lord, He helps us. But wait a second. When the righteous cry for help. No, that's the good news, isn't it? You are heard because of who your Savior is. You are righteous because of who Christ is for you and what He has done for you. Because of Jesus' righteousness, the name of God will be kept holy. Be kept holy inside these walls, outside these walls as we scatter. Time to time, it will be kept holy in this world, and eventually, among everyone, his name will be kept holy. And even as we crush ourselves under the weight of the command to live lives of holiness, be reminded that we have been given that holiness as a gift, and we are called to live inside of that holiness. So, it is in this part of the Lord's pray, prayer that we pray that God would cause us to glorify Him, making His goodness and His greatness known to all. And it is in this part of the prayer that we pray that all things would be tools for His goodness and His greatness to be known in the world.
Our Father, make us know who we are, Lord. Let us sanctify, set apart, glorify, and praise you in all of your works, words, and gifts to us. As your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth shine through in this world. Cause us to direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions towards your name not being ignored or insulted, but always being honored and praised. Our Father in heaven, keep your name holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.